Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. You know, God didn't have to respond to her desire of how. He didn't have to respond in any way. And more often than not, our lives never get to see the how God does something in our lives until we're able to look back in retrospect. It might be two or three years down the road and we look back and say, wow, that's how that happened. Or even that's why that happened. But more often than not, right now as we're going through stuff, we have absolutely no clue why God is allowing this in our lives. It doesn't take us very long to progress through life before learning that there will be plenty of bumpy roads up ahead. We can either look at life as a series of bad events, or we can expect life's challenges and take them one at a time. This, of course, still leaves us with the why and how of life's tough times. In today's edition of The Open Word, Pastor David reflects on the mystery of life's unexpected turns. In our study, we learn how many of the trials we face won't give us the why and how we seek until we can look back in retrospect. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, According to Your Word. I believe that she was a woman who was faithful to him in every way that she knew how. But I don't believe that Mary was sinless. I believe that Mary needed a Savior just as much as Joseph did. But she was definitely the chosen vessel of God's redemptive love for mankind. You need to understand that. The specialness of her, of all the women, of all the young girls, of all the times that God could have used, and he used Mary. I believe that she was a very special young woman. Historians and theologians, they tell us that uh, it would have been absolutely normal, it would have been a common thing for Mary at this point in her life to be in the age of 14 to 16 years old. During this time of visitation, she is already engaged and she's 14 to 16 years old. Now we look today and, and we'd be shocked that someone that young would be engaged. How about it, parents, uh, particularly you dads? Uh, how would you feel if somebody came and wanted to get engaged to your daughter and she's only like 14 years old? Well, that's not uncommon back then, but hopefully it, it is uh, extremely rare, at least in our culture today. But in that Jewish culture, to be betrothed, it was, it was that covenantal agreement between a man and a woman that followed by courting and then proceeded on to marriage. It was during that time of betrothal that the man is considered to be, and he is referred as, the husband. And the woman, the young girl, she's considered to be, and she's referred as, the wife. 
And however, until the actual marriage ceremony takes place, they don't have physical relations, intimate physical relations at all. But once the couple has entered into that betrothal agreement, that engagement agreement, it can only be dissolved by a formal writ of divorce. And usually, almost always, particularly in that culture, it would have been by the husband. And it was most normally due to unfaithfulness or an adultery situation or even as we find later on in Jesus' ministry. Sometime if they just found a reason that they didn't want to do it anymore, they could write the writ of divorce. So here's Mary. She's betrothed to Joseph, and yet it's prior to their actual marriage ceremony. Matthew tells us also that Joseph was a, a just man. And here in Luke, we find that Mary, young woman, has found favor with God. A righteous man, a righteous woman, both of them coming together, and everything seems to be proceeding just as planned. Now, we don't know the wedding date, but again, leaning back on historians, usually the betrothal takes place about a year out from the actual wedding date, giving the husband time to prepare things for his bride. And we find Mary and Joseph in that time frame of life. And I want you to understand this morning, their whole life is in front of them. They've got everything laid out, everything planned. Here's a righteous man engaged to a righteous woman. Their wedding date is near in the future, Everything is planned for there. Everything was going along absolutely smoothly, probably, in their lives. And then suddenly, and without any kind of warning at all, God intersects their lives. He comes and, again, walks right in front of all of their plans, and suddenly their plans, their future, everything that they had determined is changed in their lives. If anyone ever told you that following God would be the easiest thing for you to do. They were lying to you, okay? Because following God is not the easiest thing that you could do. Oh, it's the best thing that you could do. Don't misunderstand me there. But it's not the easiest thing to do. If you thought that following God with your whole heart and with everything that you have would allow you to have a well-planned out and a very predictable life, you're just fooling yourself. Because if I'm saying I'm not my own, but God is, again, the, not only the, the pilot, he's the co-pilot, man, and he's the navigator, and, and I'm just along for the ride, then you need to understand that there are going to be times in your life that God is going to make a determination in your life. God is going to call for a change in your life that you hadn't planned, that you hadn't purposed in your own life. You see, God doesn't intersect our lives to make our lives smooth to make our lives easy, or to make our lives predictable, <laughs> not even planned out. God enters our lives to reveal himself and to display his glory. And you as a believer, if you claim Christ is your Lord and Savior, you need to be ready for that. You need to be prepared for that. And you need to be okay with that. The unfortunate truth is there's a lot of people that aren't okay with that. And when suddenly their life gets rocked by a situation, suddenly everything goes to pieces in their heart and mind, rather than in that peace that passes understanding, realizing, Lord, 
My life is in your hands. My future is in your hands. I've surrendered my life to you. So Lord, knowing the greatness of your sovereignty, knowing the, the vastness of your providential care and plan, Lord, I surrender completely to you. And beloved, that's the only way that you and I can have any kind of peace in the midst of this kind of world that is full of all kinds of turmoil, all kinds of change. And it's the only way that you and I can have peace when God comes in and says, hey, I need you to go over this way now because I have something I need to show you, something I need to work in you, or something that I need to work through you to others. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes these interruptions can be some of the most uncomfortable times in our lives. They're unexplainable in the normal run of things. And really and truly, they can only be attributed to the hand of God. All we can do is just simply surrender our lives once again into his providential care. The angel came to Mary not simply to tell her that she was a highly favored one. The angel didn't come just simply to say, hey Mary, it's okay, the Lord is with you. He didn't come just simply to boost her self-esteem. Oh, blessed are you among women. Oh, that's great, I feel better today. No, there was a lot more to his message, wasn't there? He definitely wanted her to understand those things. He definitely wanted her to know that she was truly found, found in favor with God. But the main focus of his message was not Mary. It was about how God was going to use Mary to glorify himself and to fulfill his plan of the ages. Beloved, there's going to be times in our lives when stuff happens within our lives totally out of our ability to be able to redirect them. A lot of you, you understand exactly what that's all about. The old saying from the poem is, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. The question isn't whether or not that's going to happen. The question to you this morning is, is how will you respond when it happens to you? How do you respond when suddenly everything that you had planned gets changed? How do you respond when everything that you've hoped for gets moved out of the way and something different is going on? The angel comes to Mary and explains a portion of God's plan to her. And you and I need to understand that the angel didn't give the whole plan to her at that time. As a matter of fact, God seldom lays out the whole deal, does he? We're just called to trust, to have faith that he is in charge. The angel tells her there in verse 31, he says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Again, the very fact that Mary was going to conceive and bear a son, that was an amazing announcement to Mary. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. First of all, I want us to take a look at what kind of a son he was going to be. 
The angel says you're going to call his name Jesus. And here in Luke, Gabriel doesn't explain anything about that name. Yet in Matthew, the angel tells Joseph that you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. The name we speak as Jesus is actually the same as Joshua or Yeshua in Hebrew. It's a contraction or a shortened version of a longer Hebrew name, Yahashua. Yahashua, which means Jehovah is helper or the help of Jehovah. Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew Yeshua or Joshua. So simply by giving that name, Mary would have some kind of understanding that his name would mean Jehovah is salvation. Mary would have some kind of an understanding that this is a messianic declaration for my son because even during that time, the young women of that time were anticipating and looking forward to the birth of Messiah. And every young woman was thinking that perhaps my child would be the Messiah. And now the angel comes and makes this declaration to Mary. And again, as she understood it's a messianic meaning, she's still troubled by some other things. But the angel goes on. The angel says he will also be called the son of the highest. And this is no doubt a, a connection not only with his position, but also his true heritage. And although Joseph would follow through with the marriage to Mary, he was not the physical father of Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of the highest, supernaturally conceived. And again, we'll look at that in a moment. In Mark's gospel record, we find the events surrounding Jesus' ministry with a Gadarean demoniac. You remember that as they went across the Sea of Galilee and there on the eastern shores of Galilee and, and Gadara. There was a man filled with demons there, and as they got out of the boat, this demon came running up to Jesus. And he says, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? You see, the demons understood who he was. There was no declaration. There was no pronouncement that he was the son of God. This is something that the demons understood. The word tells us that the demons know who he is, and at least they tremble. The unfortunate thing is mankind ignores those things. Mankind, even being given the truth, doesn't tremble at the reality of God. Even the demonic spirits knew who he was. Gabriel said, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be called the son of the highest. And he also tells Mary that the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Deity and royalty combined in the person of Jesus. And although, again, his heavenly heritage speaks of him as the Son of God, his fleshly heritage brings him through the tribe of Judah. A branch shall rise up out of Judah. And it also brings him through the bloodline of King David. God had promised David that his royal line would become established and continue on forever. We read in 2 Samuel chapter 7, this word, this promise to David as the Lord speaks to him. And he says, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. And Jesus is the only one that really can fulfill that prophecy. No man, no physical man can fulfill that prophecy, but Christ can. A.T. Barnes puts it this way. 
He says the promise to David was that there should not fail a man to sit on his throne, that his throne should be perpetual. And the promise was fulfilled by exalting Jesus to be a prince and a savior and the perpetual king of his people. Now today, you and I, we look and we say, yes, Jesus is our king. Jesus is our Lord. But you need to also realize that he's not just our Lord. The time is coming when all of creation will understand that he has been king all along. He has been Lord all along. The word says that all of creation will bow before him. And the word says, and of his kingdom, there'll be no end. As Gabriel speaks to Mary, and he tells Mary, behold, you'll conceive in your womb. Even with everything else that Gabriel said, I believe that Mary remains stuck on this part. Even with the declaration of the fulfillment of all of these prophecies, Mary is still back at the beginning of this statement. And why shouldn't she be? Of all the miracles and all the fulfillment of prophecy that God's going to work through the Messiah, the first one, and for Mary, the big one, the first one deals directly with her. You notice she didn't ask any questions about the fulfillment of the prophecies. She didn't ask any question about being son of, son of God, about being uh, uh, the, the throne of his father, David. She didn't ask any questions about that. The very first question she asked after Gabriel makes all these announcements, in verse 34 we read, Then Mary said to the angel, Well, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. She had not had intimate physical relations with Joseph or anyone at this point. Well, first of all, we also need to understand the difference of how she responds to Gabriel and how Zacharias responded to Gabriel. Remember last week, we looked at Zacharias's response to Gabriel's announcement. Zacharias, you're going to have a child. And what was Zacharias's? Hey, you know what? I'm old. My wife is well advanced in years. He wasn't just wondering how it was going to happen. He actually asked for a sign. It was a hard thing for him to believe the message of that angel, even though the angel was standing right in front of him. So in his doubt, he asked the angel for a sign. He said, how shall I know this? And so after Gabriel explained very carefully who he was, by the way, I am Gabriel, I stand right at the throne, I've been sent here to give you the message, but because you doubt, he made him mute until the time that the child was born. But here Mary isn't eating, she's not doubting the message. She's simply wondering how this was going to happen. How can this happen? There's a vast difference in our lives between wanting proof that God is able to do something versus simply wondering how God would do something. In your life and mine, when we read in the Word and we think, yeah, but well, I don't think God can do that in my life. Or we hear the testimonies of another and we say, oh, that's great for you, but I don't believe that God's going to do that. In my that comes from the attitude, the, the actions, and perhaps even the words of ones that would say something, I don't believe that God is able to fix this one. Prove it. Or make statements, whether it be verbal or at least 
thinking through it in our minds. I don't believe that God can change this for the good. Show me. Or to perhaps ponder the thought, there's no way we're going to be able to, and then you fill in the blank. You see, those are words, those are thoughts, those are attitudes of doubt. They're not positions of faith. They're attitudes of doubt. Whereas the heart and the mind of Mary is the attitude or the actions or the words that would come out, Lord, how will you do this? Oh, I believe you're gonna do it, but Lord, I don't know how you're gonna do it. You're gonna work this in my life? That's awesome, God. How is that going to work? Lord, what's my place in all of this? Lord, you're, you're calling me to this situation or this thing happened to me. My life is suddenly in absolute turmoil. So Lord, what is my place now in this? I know you're still in control. So what do you want me to do in this situation? It's the heart, it's the attitude, it's the mindset that says, I don't understand this, but I'll continue to move forward in faith in you, God, because I know that you are in charge. You know, God didn't have to respond to her desire of how. He didn't have to respond in any way. And more often than not, our lives never get to see the how God does something in our lives until we're able to look back in retrospect. It might be two or three years down the road and we look back and say, wow, that's how that happened. Or even that's why that happened. But more often than not, right now as we're going through stuff, we have absolutely no clue why God is allowing this in our lives. What God is going to do with it. We just simply have to trust him. And beloved, you need to understand too that there's a lot of times we'll never get that answer this side of glory. We may go our entire lives, wonder why this happened to me or to my family member, why this happened, why this situation took place, what's going on at this particular arena of events. We may never know this side of glory. That's why we need to be those kind of people who are willing to trust him. We need to recognize that there's gonna be things in our lives that'll never make sense but are you willing to trust him? For Mary, Gabriel gave at least a portion of the answer. He didn't go into detail, and so neither will we, nor should we. Gabriel told Mary in verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of of God. Beloved, this is going to be a supernatural work of God. It's not going to be the intervention of man in any way, shape, or form. And no, I don't believe that God came down and in some form had relations with Mary. No, I don't believe that at all. I believe that this was the very same creative power that God used when he spoke the worlds into existence. You don't believe that God's more than able to create life, that's what God does. God is the creator of life. Now, when did it happen? Well, we don't know. Maybe it happened right then. Open our hearts, change us from within. 
hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.